The setting is 588 BC. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has established his headquarters at Riblah in modern-day Syria. Having just defeated the Judean fortresses at Lachish in Azekah, he now sets his eye on the prize, the jewel, the crown of the current military campaign, Jerusalem. There are tons of gold, silver, jewels, and bronze in the capital city. Inside Jerusalem, however, all economic and commercial enterprises are collapsing. Disease and epidemics are running wild. Property values are plummeting. It's chaos and confusion. And worst of all, the words of Jeremiah 19, 19, 19 verse 9 are horrifically and apocalyptically coming true. When God said, I will make them eat the flesh of their sons and daughters. And I will make them eat one another's flesh because of the distress of the siege imposed on them by their enemies who seek their lives. And yet in the midst of this chaos, death, and confusion, God says to Jeremiah, invest in real estate. Buy the field. What? What are you, you talking about? Buy a field at this time? Well, the field he's talking about is from his cousin Hanamel. Um, it's a field in his hometown of Anathoth, just about three miles north of Jerusalem. Now, I'm from Arkansas, and I would jump at a chance to buy a rice field in my hometown there uh, to duck hunt in that. But buy a field when there is the Babylonian uh, juggernaut is about to close the door on this area? It just doesn't seem right. I mean, I'm not a licensed real estate agent, but from what they tell me, there are three things that matter when considering buying property. Location, location, location. Hanamel knows that the property value is collapsing. It's in a war zone. He just simply wants to sell the property and leave town. It is 588 B.C. And the city of Jerusalem is besieged. Things are collapsing. Things are in chaos. Food is in short supply. Water is scarce but still available due to Hezekiah's temple. The stock market is tanked, worse than our stock market. And God comes to Jeremiah and says, buy the field. <laughs> Jeremiah, you'd better get a better financial advisor or at least a different real estate agent. This makes no sense. When we hear something like that, we grab our wallets and our billfolds and say, I'm not going to make a risky investment like that. No way. I mean, the, there's no market for it. There's no resale value. It's not worth a plug nickel. Who would buy it? And so it goes. You and I, by nature, tend to 
play it safe when it comes to investing. We're not likely to take risks. We're not likely to roll the dice or bet on the slow horse. When, it come, when called to invest in local ministry or capital campaigns, most of us kind of just play it cool and sit on the sidelines and watch and see if it's going to be successful. And if it looks like it's going to be successful, then maybe we'll invest. When called upon to care and nurture our children, some of us whisper under our breath that I just don't have the time to make that kind of investment. When called upon to reach out to our unbelieving neighbors, our employees, our co-workers, we kind of ignore the opportunity and tell ourselves, I'm not going to invest my energy in them. Oh, we may give a nickel here or a nickel there just to make ourselves look good, but when called to invest in a large quantities of sweat equity or blood capital, we conveniently choose the safer investments that guarantee large amounts of personal promotion or personal pleasure. Buy a field in Anathoth when Zeredin, the Babylonian butcher, is about to enact Nebuchadnezzar's scorched earth policy? Watch out, Jeremiah. You could lose your shirt here. I mean, it sounds like that coveted beachfront or oceanfront property in Arizona. It sounds like a scam. Hanamel is playing you for a fool. So what does Jeremiah do? <laughs> I knew that this was the word of the Lord, so I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel. What? Are you kidding me? You bought the field? Well, what else would you expect from someone who goes and buries his underwear and then goes back and digs it up years later? What else would you expect from someone whose nickname is Magor Misaviv, terror on every side? What else would you expect from someone who's so mesmerized by his death that he said, and I quote, curse be the day that I was born. Jeremiah knew that such a purchase was just impractical and foolish. It goes against history, it goes against reason, it goes against public opinion. But Jeremiah didn't buy the field on the advice of his financial advisor. Jeremiah bought the field on the basis of the word of El Shaddai, God Almighty. Jeremiah measures out 17 shekels of silver. He signs the deed. He gathers witnesses to this transaction. He takes the copies of the deed, puts them in a clay jar to preserve them for generations. And why? Why would Jeremiah buy a field during a siege? I'll let Jeremiah answer that question. Jeremiah 23. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely 
and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, Yahweh Sidkenu, the Lord is our righteousness. Jeremiah says, I bought the field because I have a king who is righteousness. Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to shalom you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I have a God who gives me a glorious hope and a future. That's why I bought the field. Jeremiah 32, Ah, Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I have a God who can do anything, says Jeremiah. That's why I bought the field. Sure, Jeremiah is called in chapter 1, verse 10, to, to nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow. But he's also called to build and to plant. Building and planting means that there is life after Babylon. Buy the field? Invest in God's kingdom? You bet. Of course, our Savior, Israel's greatest prophet, made a similar outrageous investment. He offered living water to a Samaritan woman. He offered healing to blind Bartimaeus. He offered resurrection to Lazarus. The skeptics said, well, what else would you expect from someone from Nazareth in Galilee whose nickname is Beelzebub, who is so mesmerized by his death that he says, and I quote, the Son of Man must suffer many things at the hands of the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law and must be killed. And yet, like Jeremiah, Jesus makes the investment. And when Jesus makes this investment, he does lose his shirt, literally. Matthew 27, and when they had crucified him, they divided his clothes by casting lots. But he lost more than his shirt. He lost his friends at Gethsemane. He lost the skin and muscle of his back at Gabbatha. He lost the presence of his father while on the hill called Calvary. Look, blood and spit caked to his cheeks. His lips broken and swollen. His lungs screaming with pain. Stretched nerves seem to almost snap at the twanging of death's morbid melody. Why would he make such an investment? Intentionally lose it all. Again, I'll let Jeremiah answer that. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. 
This is the covenant I will cut with the house of Israel after that time, says the Lord. I will put my Torah in their guts and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, they will be my people, and I will remember their sins no more. Let the world hear that after three days, after that time when this, when it was after three days, after it was uprooted and torn down, after Jesus was destroyed and overthrown on that hill, he was planted and built in the open tomb. People saw Jesus in Jerusalem, at Emmaus, in Galilee. They saw him. And they believed in him. There is more than life after Babylon. There is more life after guilt and despair. There is life even after the grave. You and I, all of us, have been purchased in one from sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. Not with gold or 17 pieces of silver, but with Christ's holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. Why? That we may be his own forever. So the smart money is invested in faith. Motivated by the gospel of salvation, you and I are empowered to invest our time and energy in this glorious ministry that we call the church. Even in bear markets, even in great recession, even in high inflation, even in troubling economic times, alive in the baptismal flood and the Eucharistic feast, we invest in our faith. Bought by the blood of Christ, we are not only called, but we are delighted to lose our shirt. Yes, even lose our life for Jesus Christ. And though the city will be handed over to the Babylons, yet you, Lord Yahweh, say to me, by the field. And he did. And so do we. In the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.